I've got good news for you today. You ready? Hope is here. That's the good news for you today. Hope is here. Hope is here because the hope of Christ is living in your heart. Hope is here because God's word tells us that today Jesus is standing at the door to your heart and he's knocking on it and he's wondering, would you let him come in? You need to know today if you sense God knocking on your heart, that's the knock of hope. Open that door and let him in. Open that door and let him in. I want to welcome you guys. I want to welcome you to New Life Church. My name is Jeff Baker. I'm one of the pastors on staff. I want to say a big hello to all of those that are worshiping with us right now out in North Platte. Man, happy Easter to you guys. And all of you that are worshiping with us down in the venue, happy Easter to you. We are one church in three locations, and we all worship at the exact same time. And right now, the sermon is broadcast live to our other venues. And I love the fact that we are one church in multiple locations. Praise God. Happy Easter to all of you guys. And uh, I just want to say a big hello to all of you that might be worshiping with us in one of those venues. That's new today as well. Um, if you are here in our main auditorium and you're, you're new with us, man, I know that you could have picked any church to go to in North Platte or here in Kearney, but you chose New Life, and for that, I am truly thankful. And I want the world to know what God's doing. I want the world to know that there is hope here at New Life, that there's hope through Christ because we, we preach the message of Jesus. We preach a message of hope. We preach a message that's not one that's condemning. We preach a message that brings life. And so I want you to be a part of that. So to do that today, I want to, I want to do something. I want you to pull out your smartphone. All right? You got a smartphone? Anybody with smartphones here? How about dumb phone people? You got some dumb phone people? Yeah, dumb phone people. Okay, all right. I don't mean that in derogatory. I shouldn't really pick on a crowd when I don't even know everybody. I apologize. All right, so pick, pull, pull out your smartphone. And what I want you to do is I want you to pull up like Facebook. I want you to pull up Twitter. I want you to pull up Instagram or something like that, right? And if you want to, you can take a picture of this place like I'm going to do right now, okay? Uh, I'm going to take a picture and I'm going to let the world know that, uh, you know, where I'm at. So that's what I'm going to do. Why don't you join me if you got a camera? All right, so here's what I need you to do. Um, I need everybody to smile. Smile, everyone over on this side. Smile. All right, wave. Stop picking your nose up there in the balcony. I saw that. I'm going to zoom in on that. Okay, are you ready? Over here, ready? Smile. One, two, three. All right. Now you take that, right, and you send it out over like your Twitter account or your Facebook account. Don't sit there and stare at me as if I don't know what I'm talking about. We live in a world of social media, but what I want you to do is proudly tell people like where you're at. I'm at New Life Church, whether it's in Kearney or I'm at New Life Church and I'm in North Platte. You just say, I'm at New Life Church, Kearney or North Platte, whichever one you need to say, and then do this for me. Put hashtag hope is here. Or for you that are older or you don't understand what I'm saying, the number sign, all right? All right? So... You know, to say, I'm at New Life, this is what's going on, I'm glad to be here. Um, hashtag, number sign, hope is here, okay? Just do that for me. If you would, that would be amazing. Um, I'll send mine out in just a minute when I'm not so distracted by things that I've got to take care of right now. And I think you understand, right? You don't want to sit there and wait for me to type the whole thing out. Yeah, so send that out. Let the world know, man, hope is here, all right? Don't you remember times when you've had hope in your heart for things? 
Remember back when you were a kid and that, uh, that Christmas or that birthday or some special moment and you, were, you knew that you were just hoping that this would be the birthday, this would be the Christmas where you were going to get that new bicycle? I mean, come on, right? Or maybe you were going to get that new doll or you were going to get that, that uh, you know, that new Xbox or that new PlayStation. You hope for that? Come on. Man, no one else had any hope like that? I had hope. I had hope I'd get all those kind of things. But maybe as an adult, maybe you have hope that, you know, you're going to get a promotion. All right, anybody hoping for a promotion? Come on. Okay, we have one person. One person in the main auditorium. Everybody hoping for a promotion probably attends North Platte. That's probably the way it goes right now. Um, maybe maybe you, have, you have hope, you know, that when you're single right now, and you're, you have hope in your heart, and you're going to hold out, and you're going to wait for that perfect, you know, spouse, that perfect husband or that perfect wife, and you have hope that God's going to bring them into your life. I want to I tell you, keep hoping for things like that. Or maybe, maybe you have hope for a good outcome to a very difficult situation that maybe you're facing. You might be facing a difficult situation with medical or financial or relationally or whatever it is, a difficult situation. But right now, your heart, it's full of hope that God's going to work something out. Isn't that a great feeling to have hope, you know, to be able to believe that, God, you're going to work something out? Maybe you're just here today or you're listening to me today in one of our venues and you're just hoping that this service is worth your time. That might be something you're hoping for. I know. Some of you, you don't attend church here. You're just here, you know, going... You're here today with family or friends or whatever, and you're going, I hope I'm not wasting an hour and 15 minutes of my time. Well, if we run long, it'll be longer, but I mean, an hour and 15 minutes, you know, you're like, I hope this thing's good. Let me tell you something. I, I, I hope it's good too, all right? So I don't want to waste your time. I want it to be something that's beneficial for you. I want it to be something that you're super thankful that you came to. Hope is something that you and me, we just can't live without. You can't go through life without hope. Have you ever been in a situation or a season of life when it seemed like this moment was hopeless or that life itself seemed like it was hopeless? You ever been in a place like that in your life? How'd you feel? Didn't it just put a big smile on your face? No. You know what it did? It stole joy away from you. It made peace like water. You could barely hang on to it. It just dripped out of your hands. Every time you tried to grab a hold of something to bring joy or to bring peace to your life, it just, it's like it just ran away from you. When you're in that place where you don't sense like you have any hope, there's really hardly any drive or any purpose to even change. It's like, whatever I do, nothing's going to change. Why should I even give my best? And you kind of go into this mode where you're just like, well, where, what life is like now is evidently just the way it's always going to be. People even drift into depression, whether it's light depression or deep depression. And they just go to these moments of just darkness. Hopelessness brings darkness. Hope brings light. And today, today I want you to know something. There's a reason to have hope today. There's a reason to have hope today. As a Christian, Standing before you, I'm speaking now just for myself and for the voices of many others that are here today. As a Christian, you can have hope. You can have hope because this life isn't where everything ends. There's life beyond this. The Bible says that your life and my life is like a vapor. It's here one day and it's gone another. 
I was just reading about this elderly woman that she just passed away. And she just wrote this short little statement about her life. That's basically that she, she blinked, right? I mean, she was born, then she blinked, and then it was over. <laughs> and that's pretty much like our life. You're here, you blink, and before you know it, this life's coming to an end. But yet we, we strive so hard to make an identity for ourselves. We work so hard, you know, to acquire and to accomplish. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm a very driven person. Ask anybody that works for me. You know, I, I try to outwork my entire team. I try to push it hard. I try to set a good example. I try to dream big dreams. I know I only have a short period of time and I want to accomplish things. But watch this. Accomplish things for God's kingdom. Not for myself. I want, I know that this world's going to come to an end. And the only thing that lasts is God's kingdom. It's the life beyond this life. Eternity with God. As a Christian, you can have hope for a number of things. You can have hope that God is in control. Yeah, even when it feels like the world's spiraling out of control. Even when it feels like your life is spiraling out of control. You can have hope that God is still in control. And what God's waiting for is he's waiting for you and me to recognize it. And he's waiting for us to turn to him and to say, God, wow, I surrender to you right now. Not only do I need your help, I'm desperate for your help. I'm desperate enough, I'm surrendering. Not God, the the guy who rescues you every time you get yourself in trouble. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a God who's in control when we surrender control and we allow him to actually take the steering wheel. But as a Christian, you can have hope. Hope in the fact that your sins are forgiven as well. It's our sins that separate us from God. And through Christ, our sins can be forgiven. I'm going to help you understand that today. And that can restore some amazing hope inside of you. It can cause you to walk in with a frown on your face and walk out with a smile on your face. It can cause you to walk in here with a backpack full of junk that, every, that this world has just keeps piling in your backpack. And it can cause you to walk out, taking the backpack off and throwing it down at the altar and going, God, you know, I don't have to worry about those things. You've got them. You're, it's in, you're in control. It's that kind of hope. But as a Christian, you can have hope that God is for you and that he's not against you. Wow. Some of you are here today and you think, God, how could you be for me? I mean, seriously, how could you be for me? I mean, look at my life. Look at everything I've done. Look at this ugly background that I'm coming from. Look at this laundry list of sins that I've accomplished. How could you be for me? God, you're pretty much like the guy who's got the baseball bat or the hammer. And, you know, if just me being in this church, I'm risking you hitting me with it. Because how gross I really am. You need to know something today. As a Christian, you should have hope. Because God is for you. He's not against you. Christianity, following Christ, is full of hope. So I got good news for you today. Hope is here. Hope is here. Hope is here. And today I want to help you. I want to help you find that hope. I want to help you find the hope that I'm talking about. It's discovered in the real power of the cross. It all begins Way back at the beginning, open your Bibles up to the very first page and start reading. Because that's where hope begins. It starts at the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. Do you think that God created this earth and these heavens with their galaxies and their suns 
and their planets that revolve around them and the moons that revolve around those. Do you think God created those so that he could just sit on his throne and look into the sky and see all these nice little twinkling lights? I'm here to tell you today that hope starts all the way back and the real power of the cross starts back at the beginning because what you need to know is that this earth that you're experiencing, the sun that gives its light at just the right temperature so that we don't fry and we don't freeze, and that moon that reflects the sun down onto our earth at night, and the stars as you look up into the sky and you get out even farther than Carney into some of the places where you live, and you look up and you just see this amazing view of the heavens with stars and, you know, um, all, the, all the stuff. You look into a telescope and you see the amazing planets and galaxies, and it just blows your mind away. What you need to know today is this. When God created all that stuff, that's what, that's what began the true power of the cross, because God did it for you. God created it all for you. It was never for him, it was always about you. So that you and me might have relationship with him. Did God give it his best? You better believe it. I think the world we live on is pretty fantastic. And when you consider what this universe is, just a tiny glimpse of which we know about it, it blows our minds away at the creativity of God. That God created it all so that he might display his wonder and his awe to you and to me, that our hearts would be full of hope. God has desired relationship with you since the beginning of time, and that's what starts the cross. So today, I want to build a cross for you, and I want to build it in pieces, and I want to build it in stages so that you can truly understand what the real power of the cross is. That back at the beginning of time, God established this vertical connection between him and us. That's why this earth is in its place, and that's why you are sitting on it today, spinning at the speed at which it revolves. It's because God wanted relationship with man, and that's why you're here. That's this whole vertical connection piece. God has been pursuing you. He's never stopped pursuing you. He's had a plan since the beginning of time for this very day in 2015 that he would be knocking on your heart's door, that God would be chasing you. Look at what Ephesians has to say about you. For you are God's workmanship. I know it says we. I didn't read it wrong. For you are God's workmanship. You're created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works which God prepared, when? In advance for us to do. Did you realize? Just leave that scripture up for a little while. Did you realize that you are God's workmanship? You are literally a piece of artwork. You are a masterpiece of God. I mean, I want you to think with me just for a moment. If a, if a master artist creates something, and then it's all finished and it becomes a masterpiece, What's the attitude of the artist towards the masterpiece? What is his attitude towards it? His attitude typically is, it's perfect. And when he puts the final stroke on it, he walks away from it and he goes, it's perfect. There's nothing else that I can do. Did you realize that's how God sees you? That when God looks at you, you are his workmanship. You are his art piece. You are his masterpiece. When he looks at you, he put the final stroke on your life. And he goes, you are perfectly and wonderfully made. Now what God's waiting for is for you to say to him, thank you, God, for making me perfectly and wonderfully made by you. He's waiting for our response back to him. 
He's waiting for us to humble ourselves and acknowledge it. God has established this relationship that works from him down to us, but that's not where he's left it. God's got way more than that. God prepared a plan for you, the scripture says. He prepared an advance for us. Wow. Before the creation of the world, God knew you would be here at this very moment in time. That you would be living in 2015. God prepared that from the beginning of time. You are no accident. You are no accident. You are no afterthought. You are perfectly and wonderfully made by God. What does that say to you then about the character and the nature of God? If you are his workmanship, if you are his masterpiece, I'd say this. God's not absent, number one. That God loves what he created. Just like all the crosses that are up on our stages, in all of our venues, there's crosses. These crosses were made by people that attend our church. I gave them an assignment. I said, I want you to go away um, over the next couple weeks, and I want you to build a cross that represents your spiritual journey. I want this cross to represent how you see God. You know, I want this cross to really model for everyone that would see it how you see your journey from where you were at and how God transformed your life and now how you see God today. And it was a great assignment that a lot of people took on. Did you realize that you look, if, you look, if you look up at the stages right now that none of the crosses are the same? Every cross is different. Just like you are. Every one of you is different, right? And my wife is very thankful that there's only one of me. Just like maybe some of yours are. But you are unique, but you're perfect. You're different. But man, you are amazing. And that's how God sees you. So that master is pursuing you, and he's going, man, I'm not absent from you. I'm very much in tune with you. I know exactly what's going on with you. What I'm wanting you to do is I'm wanting you to look up at me and say, hope is here. That's what I'm wanting. God's waiting for us to recognize that hope is here. So God desires this vertical relationship with us that really goes two ways. Obviously, God's the one who started it. So God is wanting to communicate with humanity. But God's also wanting us to communicate with him. Did you realize God's very interested in what you have to say today? God's very interested. His ears tuned to your voice. He's wanting to know, do you love me? He's wanting to know, will you follow me? He's wanting to know, will you give all to me? God's wanting to know. God's interested in this two-way relationship. So this was established before the beginning of time. God knew he wanted this. And in the Old Testament, you can see that lived out through, you know, his relationship that he has with guys like Moses. Might have heard of that name. Or the relationship he had with Abraham. Maybe you've heard of that name. Or King David. Or a whole host of people that are in the Old Testament, God modeled this vertical relationship. But God also knew that there was something else that was very much still needed. His name is Jesus. And that's where the whole horizontal piece of the cross begins to come into play. But it doesn't come into play maybe exactly like you think it does. Our typical picture of the cross is something that's very much different right now than what this is. But Jesus came, and if you'll look with me at a scripture, in John, it says this. Jesus said about himself, For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. Jesus comes down from heaven 
comes down from heaven, down to humanity, not to do his will, but to do God's will. Jesus literally lowered himself, watch this, to, comp- to complete God's will. Now you and me, we're thankful. We go, man, Jesus, thank you that you came and you gave your life on the cross. But what you need to know today is that Jesus came and gave his life on the cross to complete God's will. He was being obedient to his father. And if he's obedient to his father, then his father's plan gets to pour out upon you and me. So what is God's will that Jesus was being obedient to? The first thing you need to know because it impacts you in a radical way is that Jesus came to teach, to preach, so to help people understand the very character and the nature of God. What was his main message about? He preached this all the time. Let me tell you guys about my father. Let me tell you about the king. And let me tell you about his kingdom. He preached about God's kingdom all the time. And he wasn't talking about a kingdom that had walls and a castle. He was talking about a kingdom and a king that would come and live in our hearts. Oh, there is a physical kingdom called heaven. But he wasn't just talking about that. He was talking about the spiritual transformation of your heart. And he kept talking about this king and this kingdom being God his Father, and the relationship that you and me can have with him. He talked about it all the time. That was part of his mission. That was a part of accomplishing God's will. He also came to accomplish this part of God's will, to continue to build a closer relationship with the Father. Jesus, represented by this horizontal bar that comes down to humanity, how does that get us closer to the Father? It gets us closer to him because, first off, Jesus becomes man. Secondly, Jesus comes to give his life. But he, has to, but he has to live on this earth before he can give his life. And he has to live a sinless life before you can offer up a life that's worthy of doing something which is powerful, forgiving your sins. Jesus came so that our sins might be forgiven because we understand that the Bible teaches us your sin and my sin It does something destructive. It separates us from God. That's not what God wants. God, in his kingdom, his kingdom is perfect. There's nothing nothing wrong with it at all. It's a perfect place of peace. It's a perfect place of joy. Um, it's It's a perfect place with a perfect king. How will your imperfect sin survive in this perfect place called heaven? It won't, by the way. So just being a good person isn't, isn't good enough to get you into a place where you're going to spend eternity with God in heaven. What gets you to a place where you're going to spend eternity with God in heaven? The forgiveness of our sins through Christ. So Jesus comes so that our relationship with God might get closer. God has always been. He's always always desired. God's will has always been that you and me would be close with him. This has been his desire. It's been his purpose. It's been his plan. And to do that, God had to become man. Take a look at what Philippians says. It says, though he, being Jesus, was God, right? He was God. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. He came down. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humbled position of a slave and was born as a human being down here. And when he appeared in human form, 
Look what he did. He humbled himself in what? Obedience to God. Wow. That's what Jesus did. He came and he humbled himself in obedience to God. This is true commitment. This was the attitude of no turning back. So it wasn't just good enough to put the cross beam there. That's where the first nails come in. The first nails are not the ones that are nailed through his hands and nailed through his feet. The first nails of the cross that show us the commitment of God is that Jesus lowered himself from the deity of God and he came down to this lowly spot as man. And that's where we find the true commitment coming into play. That Jesus was willing to give it all and he came down and he committed himself completely. And you know what that means? That means there was no turning back. There was no turning back from this moment. If it got too hard for him, there was no reverting back to heaven. He was here to finish it out. He was giving it all. And guess what God's asking for you and me? He's asking us to do the very same thing. To nail it into our heart that Jesus is Lord. And that God raised him from the dead. And to put your complete hope in the power of the cross. So Jesus gave up this divine power and he took on this humbled position as a man. And he lived a sinless life so that there would be a sacrifice given on this very cross that would be sinless. That that sinless sacrifice of Christ would cover our sins. And Jesus, he did it all because he was being obedient to his father. That's so important. You've got to get that through your head today. He did it out of obedience to his father. And you know what he's asking for us, from us? If you love me, obey my commands. That's what he's saying. Basically, Jesus is saying, I want you to do what I did. I know it was hard. I know it's hard sometimes following God. I know it's not the most easy thing to do. I realize you're going to have to give up a few things, but you're going to gain the world. I realize you've got to walk away from a few things, but you're going to gain eternity. Jesus simply says, if you love me like I loved my father, obey my commands just like I obeyed his. And Jesus came to this earth and he lived as a man. Jesus knows the struggle that you and me go through. Jesus knows what it means to be tempted. He knows what that feels like to be tempted by sin. He knows what it, what it feels like to have loss in this world. He knows what it feels like to be betrayed Jesus knows what it feels like to deal with suffering on this earth. Jesus knows what it feels like to have hurtful words hurled at him. Hurtful, painful words is hurled at him and is jet jet into his own heart. Jesus knows what a strenuous workday feels like. I mean, he was a carpenter. Before he, before he ever, you know, launched into, you know, ministry, when he was as a young kid, you know, he's a carpenter. He knows what it means to work with his hands. Jesus knows what you're dealing with today. He knows. He can identify. He can connect with. He knows what you're dealing with right now. You don't have to worry about it. You can come to him. You'll find a Savior who has compassion. You will find a Savior who has mercy. You will find a Savior who can wrap his arms around you and love you just the way you are. I've got good news for you today. Hope is here. Hope is here. Jesus lived his life sinlessly, and he lived it for one final moment, one ultimate moment, one ultimate act of obedience 
and one ultimate act of purpose. And that's, that's when you and me really truly understand the real power of this cross. Up till this moment, it kind of eluded us at times, didn't it? That the vertical piece started all the way back, all the way back at the beginning of time, and that the horizontal beam was actually put on as Jesus became lowly. But then Jesus gave up his life. And he was nailed to a cross just like that. Yes, it is true that this cross, as depicted in this fashion, does speak a very powerful message. It speaks a very humbled message. It speaks the message that Philippians 2 was telling us when it said that Jesus humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death even on this cross. It is the ultimate act of obedience by Jesus. And Jesus is asking you today, will you die just like I died? Will you give up your life and will you take on mine? That's what he's wanting to know. Just like my obedience to God, I'm asking you to obey as well. Jesus is asking, just like I died, will you die? Will you give up your life? And we know that when Jesus gave his life on the cross, they took the stake and they put his feet together and they nailed it right through his feet. And then they took the stake and they put it right through his hand. Maybe. They put it right through his hand. And they nailed it to the cross. And they took his other hand and they nailed it to the cross. And there he hung. He hung at a moment some 2,000 years ago. But the power of him hanging on that cross still reverberates through the times. It transcends, it penetrates through generations and through centuries. All the way to this very moment, this very day, where this horizontal beam representing the Son of God moved from this lowly man up onto the, up on to the upper part where now it stretches out and it's like God's arms reaching out over humanity for all of time to say, I love you. I love you with everything. I've given you my best. And this horizontal beam stretching out over this cross and all the crosses that you'll ever see, they should remind you of God's arms stretched out over humanity saying, hope is here. Hope is here. Put your life in my hands because hope is here. And today, no matter who you are, what your name is, what your background is, just the way you are, Jesus is saying, hope is here. My arms are stretched out wide. I was nailed to that cross and I was beaten and bruised and I suffered to even get a breath, but hope is here. You're not alone. Jesus is the Savior. And by giving your life to him, your sins can literally be forgiven. And that separation between you and God can be taken care of. And what you need to know is what Romans 5.8 says about all of us that are in this room today. Romans 5.8 says, but God showed his great love for us by what? Sending Christ to die for us while what? While we were still sinners. Wow. That's a huge thing. That from the beginning of time, God was going to be sending his son and he started building this cross at the very creation. He started building it. Knowing that you and me were going to need it. And that we weren't going to be able to live without it. But yet, 
Even while you and I were still sinners, separated from God, having the inability to even appreciate what God would do with a cross like this, he sent his son Jesus to give his life. That's why hope is here. And the cross, it covers you in the amazing love of God today. When you surrender to Jesus, that's when you're really going to truly find real life. When you decide to lay your life down, that's when you're really going to start living again. And there's hope in the power of the real cross because Jesus gave his life for yours. And when you lay your life down for his, you start discovering what real hope is all about. So today, with all those crosses that were built, I wanted to invite a few people to come and share their story of the real power of the cross in their life and to discover so that you could hear what, the, what, what it really means to have hope in Jesus. So I've got three of my friends that are coming up here right now. Why don't you guys come on up real quick? All right. Come on up. We've got Abby, right? Abby, come on up, guys. Come on up here. Um, Cindy and Mason. So, um, yeah, Abby, come on over here a little bit. Just tell us, tell us for a moment. Um, it's really, you can describe the cross, but we're really interested in what was behind it. What is it that God was really doing in your heart? What has God done, and how does this cross really depict the hope that you have in Christ? Well, when Jeff said, all right, guys, I want you to think about what you would do to make a cross look like your spiritual walk, um, the first real picture that I had come to my mind was roots. Um, I had to be a part of it because both my grandparents are pastors. Um, I grew up in a very firm foundation, um, and so... That, I think, is what really brought me to the place I am today. Um, there, as you might be able to see, probably not from that distance, um, in the middle, it's a little bit more brown and um, destroyed a little bit. It's, been, it's seen some life. It's seen some storms. Uh, I kind of decided to take my own path and uh, figure it out on my own. I guess growing up and um, having the the wings of your parents so tightly around you and so keeping you so safe. Um, I am not a person that needs, I need to find out things on my own. So um, after a few years of just wandering and looking and not finding anything, uh, I finally figured out um, what grace means. Um, When I was down here in the age of of life and of learning, I, I didn't really understand it because I didn't do anything wrong. Like, I mean a little bit, but um, <laughs> after, after I had decided, you know, I'm going to try this out on my own and see if this is not the only way, um, after that, that's when I found out what grace means. And Good. now... Um, at the edges, there's beginning to be little blossoms. Um, I'm by far not in a place where I'd like to be, but I am seeing new life um, and new hope in my life. Uh, right on. Every year when we would go um, away as a family, uh, my grandpa, we would have like a little devotional time, and my grandpa would ask us what season of life we are in um, spiritually. And I think that I right now I'm in a time of spring. There's some showers and there are um some kind of darker days but there is life that's good that's good awesome awesome 
Right on. Stay over here with me. Yeah, there you go. Right there. There you go. Cindy, tell us about yours. What's the journey? Just in a snapshot. My inspiration for my cross was John 15, in which it speaks about Jesus being the vine and we are the branches. Most of my life, I grew up apart from him. I thought I was a good Christian. I went to church. I could quote scripture, but I led my own path. I, I did what I thought was right. And then about six years ago, my life fell apart. It was shattered. I had no idea what to do. And I finally answered a friend's invitation to come to church with her here to New Life. And that was the day my life changed. I walked through the doors and it was the message. It was the music. I, I wish I could explain to you how it felt but it was different and something inside me changed. And from mm. that moment on, I have been pursuing Jesus. Right on. I fall in love with him more every single day. And what pastor says about hope is true and about joy, it is true. I still face circumstances that come from living in an ugly world and I still fall short every day. There are many people in this room will tell you that I am not perfect, <laughs> but my heart belongs to him and I seek him. And the only thing he asked from me in return for carrying my sins to that cross was that I love him, right. that I love everybody else, mm. that I follow his teachings, and that I tell people what he did for me. And so that is my life goal. That's good. And I don't ever want to look back. That's good. That's good. That's good. Awesome. Thank you. Mason. Hey, Jeff. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. Is your mic on? I think it is. Yeah. All right. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us, man. Tell us about this very uh, manly creation very that you've manly. done here. Yes. No, um, so I grew up um, in the church. I'm blessed to have amazing parents um, that have just uh, led me um, to, to Jesus. When I was five years old, um, I prayed the prayer of salvation, and I accepted Jesus in my heart. Um, and since then, my life has just been a journey um, to seeking um, to be more, like, more Christ-like, more like Christ. I've never had a huge turn away or, uh, or even a huge turnaround. It's just been a, a really consistent journey, just trying to be more like God. And I've had a, I mean, I know a lot of people have had a really hard life. And I could definitely say mine hasn't been as difficult as some people's journeys. But in no way does that make me perfect. Yeah. I have my imperfections, um, sins I deal with, um, personality flaws that make me less like Christ. Um, and so my cross are made out of tools. Um, and something, God works um, through me bit by bit. Um, and I have rough edges and the hammer um, works. Uh, I wish I could have put a chisel on here. But God, you know, he, he takes away those things, those flaws and works in me, takes those the, the things in me that make me less like Christ and, and the, the wrenches, um, they, they're like the adjustments that God does in my heart. When I'm stirring away or when, or when I'm falling away, yeah. you know, God just convicts me. And, and, um, and then he, like, we, I make adjustments um, seeking to be more like Christ. Um, but, the, I mean, the main image remains is um, the cross um, through Jesus. I have access to the forgiveness and, and the adjustments that God yeah. makes. And so. That's good, man. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Why don't you leave your cross right there where that box is at? I'm going to take your cross and leave it right here. Thank you guys so much. I'm going to take your cross and leave it here. Thank you guys for sharing, all right? Yeah, appreciate that a lot. Is this thing going to stand? Wow, look at that. 
That's amazing. That's like a little miracle right there. <laughs> From where you're at, it probably just looks like it's hovering. It's amazing. The true power, guys, that's in the cross to change lives just like theirs is here today. But the power for your life to be changed comes from an empty cross and an empty tomb. That's where the power of Christianity comes from. The fact that Jesus isn't still hanging on a cross someplace or buried in the ground connected to a cross or that there's a grave where his bones and his body lay. The power of Christianity comes from the fact, and lives are changed like this, from the fact that there's an empty cross and there's an empty tomb. Jesus overcame the cross so that you and me can have life. And that's why hope is here. You need to know that Jesus overcame the grave so that you and me can have life. That's why hope is here. And there's a day that's coming very quickly where you're going to have to give an account as to what did you do with the empty cross of Christ and the empty tomb of Jesus. What did you do with it? Did you profess that he's Lord of Lords and King of Kings, or did you choose not to? And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, as we wrap this up, it says that God elevated Jesus to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all of their names. Stop right there. Why? Why did God do this? Because Jesus obeyed him and he followed through. And what does God do? When we obey and we surrender our lives to him, we let his will be done, guess what God does? He elevates you. He causes you to rise higher than you ever could before. And Jesus right now sits at the right hand of the Father. Look at how he, how he elevates him. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every knee will bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what God did with Jesus. He elevated him to this place that every knee, that means your knee, by the way, is going to bow before him and confess that he's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. My question to you today is this. Are you going to do that today? Are you going to wait till the day when you're forced to? If you do it today, then you'll experience the true power of the cross, which is this, God's love at work in your life. The forgiveness of, of sins so that the separation between you and God is taken care of and you walk in relationship with him. And then the benefit of having relationship with God. But if you wait and you wait to the moment when every knee is forced to bow, then all you're left with is eternal separation from God for eternity. I want you to know something today. Hope is here. Hope is here today. And what you need to be considering throughout our entire time of response and worship as we go to wrap up our services is where's your relationship at with Christ? Have you knelt down and have you confessed, Jesus, you are Lord of lords and King of kings? Are you still living your life on your own? You still live in that independent life, running away from God, doing your own thing, even if it's not trying to run away from God. It's like I'm just standing at a distance from God. You need to know today. My challenge to you is that you would consider kneeling before the cross of Christ, the empty cross and the empty tomb, and saying, Lord, I believe in you, and I do confess that, God, you raised Jesus from the dead, and I surrender my life to him. And I want you to consider that. I want you to really contemplate it over these next few moments as we take time just to reflect, to sing a couple of songs, and to have a response time to God. I want you to think about where is your relationship at with God? And is the true power of the cross at work in your heart? 
Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Father, I thank you that the real power of the cross started to be built way back at the beginning of time. And in creation, you established that vertical connection because you wanted relationship with us. And then you went on to establish that lower horizontal beam that Jesus lowered himself to humanity. He became one of us and he lived a sinless life that we might put our hope and our faith and our trust in him because this sinless man, Jesus, goes to the cross and he gives his life for us. And you have now elevated him to a position of worship, to a position of honor that we can, met, we can meet here today at New Life. We can meet in North Platte. We can meet down in the venue. And we can lift up the name of Jesus knowing that we're not singing with a hopeless song to a hopeless God, but we're singing with hope in our hearts to a God that's full of hope. Because Jesus, you are alive. And you sit at the right hand of the Father and you're waiting to come back for us. And you're desiring every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And may we do that in this place over these next few moments. May we lift up the name of Jesus. We will proclaim his name above every other name because there's an empty cross and there's an empty tomb. And through that, we have hope. Amen.